0: All right, you got it. If you know the Bible, or if you got a Bible, <laughs> grab it, open it, turn it on, follow along on screen in your outline or use the Central Church app. Luke chapter seven is where you could turn to. That's where we're gonna be at the entire time. We're gonna look at a story, the gospel of Luke. Starting a brand new series today called Hurt People, Hurt People. And in this series, we're specifically going to be talking about the subject of church hurt. Like hurt that happens in the church. Let me, let me kind of... Let me set up today like this, and I've got to kind of set the series up, too, because when you start a new series, you got to kind of talk about where you eventually want to get to. And, and we're going to ask a question probably every week, um, but before I ask the question, i gotta, I got to kind of set it up like this. Y- years ago, um, I had a truck. They got way bad out of alignment. I started thinking about this um, the other day as I was moving my son um, to Boone and I was driving his truck and as I was driving his truck down the road trying to eat some tacos, I was drifting into the ditch and I'm like, man, what's going on? And I'm kind of like fighting to keep this thing on the road. And I got over there and I'm like, hey buddy, how long has your truck been like this? He's like, I don't know, a few months. Like, is it bad? I was like, yeah, it's bad. And then I went home and I looked at my Jeep that he's been driving while I've been driving his truck. And I noticed (laughs) that the outside of my tires are bald. Like on one, you can almost see the wires. And I'm like, hey, buddy, um, this isn't good when it gets like this, man. We need to do something about this. And I started telling him this same story I'll tell you. Years ago, I had this truck that was bad out of alignment. I had it, like hit a curb plowing snow or something. I don't know. I had put like two sets of tires on this truck, front tires, in like six months' time. And the second time, the guy was like, hey, maybe we should check your alignment. Has your truck been pulling to the left? I'm like, yeah, man, i got to drive it like this. Like, is that, is that a bad thing? He's like, that, that's, that's, that's not normal. He's like, we need to get it. We need to put it up on the rack. Let's get it fixed. Long story short, many of you might know where I'm going with this. He, he got the truck aligned, and once he got the truck aligned, you could drive with no hands. It was awesome. Like, you could eat tacos. There's no no big deal. I didn't have to put tires on it. Every six months. And so I was talking to my son and I was telling him, for me, since that time, alignment has been really important. You got to make sure your front end is aligned so that you don't have to buy new tires. Because, like, when you get the front end of your vehicle aligned, it doesn't cost as much as well as, as, as um, far as tires go. It doesn't cost as much, and you have to fight and do everything. It's like, we all understand that when you get your car aligned. Have you ever had, anyone had this experience, or am I just rambling? Like, you, you get your car aligned, and things are just easier. And so we can understand that alignment is essential for driving, but it's also essential for us spiritually. In fact, here's the question that I want to get to that I'll probably ask for the next several weeks. And, and you have to answer this for yourself, whether you're in the room or you're watching online. You have to answer this for you. You can't answer this for your spouse. You can't answer for your kid. You can't answer, answer for your parents. It can't be like a family discussion where you're trying to figure it out for each other. It, it, this is for you. And this is the question. Do I want to be in alignment with the assignment that God has on my life? Do I want see everything is easier? Not no, not easier is not the word. Everything's better, with Jesus at the center. Did you know that? And, and He has called us. He has gifted us, and He has put assignment on every one of our lives. We have to make the decision. Do I want to be in alignment with that assignment that God has? for my life? I think that's a great question. I, I, I talked about a few weeks ago in the, um, in the acrostic series, we did a message on shame, and I talked about how the enemy wants to attack our assignment. You have an assignment on your life. God has a specific plan and a purpose for every single one of us. Like, like it, it, It's easy to look at other people and think like God has a plan and a purpose for them, like Mike. Mike's up here, he's singing, he's playing guitar, he's leading worship, and you're like, man, obviously God has an assignment for him. You see somebody up here preaching, whether it's me or somebody else, and you're like, man, they're up there preaching, obviously God has an assignment for them. You look at other people and think, God has assignments for others, but surely God doesn't have an assignment for me. There's nothing God could do in me and through me. Some of us think that, and it's absolutely not true. God custom-designed each and every one of us, on purpose, with a purpose, and for a purpose. And so there absolutely is an assignment on your life. But if you want to be in alignment with the assignment, then, then you've got to work through some things. Like there's some effort that has to be put into it. Just like taking a truck or a vehicle and putting it up on the rack, there's some adjustments that have to be made. And one of the adjustments that we have to make is we have to get past this thing called church hurt. Now, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands of who's ever been church hurt because if you don't raise your hand you've never been in a church like honestly every church on the planet every single church if you give them enough time even this one will hurt you you know why because churches are full of hurt broken people so if we want to be in alignment with the assignment that God has for our lives We need to make some adjustments. We need to do a few things. Um, I'm going super Baptist today, and so I've got five points to my message, all right? So five things that we need to do. Number one, we need to be connected to Jesus and his church. We need to be connected to Jesus, and you can't do one and not the other. You have to have a connection to Jesus and his church. Like, because here's the thing. Like, all of us have probably been somewhere and not felt welcome. Church hurts one of those things that make us feel unwelcome. You, you ever, you ever happen, that's ever happened to you? Anybody ever been somewhere and I felt welcome? Anybody, not just church, but anywhere. Y- years ago, <laughs> years ago, I went to an Iowa-Indiana basketball game in Iowa City. I got tickets from an auction, and so they were like premium seats behind the Hawkeye bench. They were awesome. I was decked out in full red and white. I was like, One of only three people in the entire place. This was the first, this was the Big Ten opener. It was on New Year's Eve. The place was packed, packed, packed. And and there was like me behind the bench, and then like somebody up in this corner, somebody up in that corner. We'd only read in the whole place. And the entire time, I'm up, I'm cheering, I'm like freaking out. And people all around me were like, sit down, shut up, go home. I'm like... I understand y'all ain't used to celebrating at basketball games, but this is what people who win do. And anyway, it was awesome, but I did not feel welcome in that place. All of us have been in a place like that where you don't feel welcome. Like the entire time, I'm like, I don't think people want me here. We won, by the way, which was awesome, except for after when we left, um, I felt like I probably needed to like strip down naked uh, because people wanted to kill me. Um, but anyway, uh, I'm not saying I was like a little cocky or anything about the wind as i walk walking out. But anyway, not feeling welcome. Focus. Not feeling welcome. That's exactly what happens in this story in the Gospel of Luke. Luke chapter 7 verse 36 says this. One of the Pharisees, and anytime you see Pharisees, you you like that, that doom music plays in a movie or whatever, right? These are not good guys. They thought they were good guys, but these were really bad guys. One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to have dinner with him. So Jesus went to his home and sat down to eat. When a certain immoral woman from the city heard he was eating there, stop. How would you like for that to be your name? How would you like that? Like we don't even get Sarah or Julie or Jessica. We get a certain immoral woman. You want that on your name tag? Hello, my name is certain immoral woman. <laughs> Ooh, read about you and Luke. Like that's weird. But isn't it funny? It's not funny. It's sad. That so many people aren't known by their name. They're known by their sin. Oh, there's the divorce person. Oh, there's the addict. Oh, there's the person that did this. There's the person that did that. There's the person that always says this. They're known by their sin. But at the end of the day, when people are always calling you by what you do rather than who you are, you don't feel welcome. Especially in a church. Here's what's fascinating. Watch this. A certain American woman from that city heard he was eating there. She brought a beautiful alabaster jar filled with expensive perfume. Then she knelt behind him at his feet, weeping. Her tears fell on his feet and she wiped them off with her hair. Then she kept kissing his feet and putting perfume on them. This is scandalous. The Pharisees are having a dinner party, and the town prostitute shows up, finds out Jesus is there, shows up, busts through the door, and begins to worship him in ways that none of them have ever worshiped him before. This is scandalous. Because let me tell you something about this certain immoral woman. She wasn't welcome at the party, she wasn't welcome around the Pharisees, she wasn't welcome at the temple. So you couldn't go to the temple if you lived the lifestyle that she lived because in order to go to the temple, you had to go through purification rituals. You had to do sacrifices, all all of this stuff. She wasn't welcome at the temple. She She wasn't welcome at the local tabernacle because people like her didn't go to the tabernacle because of the lifestyle that she lived. She wasn't welcome at the Pharisee Bible study. She couldn't hang out with the religious people. She wasn't welcome. Why? Because of her lifestyle. You think that hurt? Yes or no? Yes, but don't miss this. Don't miss this. This is huge. The woman who wasn't welcomed by the Pharisees, who wasn't welcome at the temple, who wasn't welcome at the tabernacle, who wasn't welcome at the Bible study, who wasn't welcome with the religious people, felt welcomed with Jesus. That's the goal of this church. Now, I, don't, I don't know about every other church. But the one thing I know is I pray that every single Sunday here at Central Church, we would experience the presence of Jesus in this place. Because if we experience the presence of Jesus, then people, all people, no matter what you've done, no matter what you're going through, will feel welcome. That's my heart for this church. Because here's what I know about the presence of Jesus. Over time, we can't stay in the presence of Jesus and stay the same. He changes us. He changes us. He will change you. He changes me. We cannot stay in the presence of Jesus and remain the same. But in order to understand that, we've got to ask him to help us get past this thing called church hurt. Now, there are people in this room, you've been church hurt. In fact, you might be watching online. And and the only reason you're watching online is because you've been church hurt at a physical location somewhere. See, church hurt is the person your church told you they were going to stand by you no matter what. And they did until you got divorced. And then they abandoned you. Church hurt is the person you were volunteering in a certain area and you volunteered for a long time. But then you did some things that you know you shouldn't have done. You kind of went down a path you know you shouldn't have went down. And they told you, hey, you can't volunteer here anymore. But they still cashed your tithe check. That's church hurt. Church Hurt is the church that told you they were going to celebrate you and help you overcome your addiction. But when you relapsed, they turned their back on you. That's Church Hurt. Every single person here has experienced Church Hurt at some level. And some of us, some of us have been a part of Church Hurt for somebody else. I have. I have. I'm going to tell you what. It kills me that there are people who will not come into this church because I have offended them in some way, shape, form, or fashion. It happens. But, but listen to me. It's not a reason to disconnect from the church. It's not. Let me ask you this question. When Jesus went to the cross, did it hurt, yes or no? Yes. When Jesus went off the cross and into the tomb, did it hurt, yes or no? Well, he was dead, but yeah, it, it, it hurt. But did Jesus stay in the tomb, yes or no? No, he got up and he walked out. He, he walked up despite his pain, despite his hurt. The religious people, the church people did that to him. And he didn't stay down. He got up and he walked out and because he did that. The Bible says greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. Because he overcame that, we can overcome anything, even church hurt. Now, let, let me push pause on this. And I wanna go through the level of church commitment. All right, there's kind of levels to church commitment. I'm going to go through these, and I'm going to kind of circle back to this idea of getting past church hurt. Because when it comes to involvement in the church, uh, there are levels. And the deeper you go, the more likely you are to get hurt. All right, and listen, I'm going to give you these, and I'm not trying to shame anybody. I'm not trying to guilt anybody. I'm just going to talk about, like, who people are. And if the shoe fits, wear it. Just own it, all right? So number one is the casual attender. The casual attender. And I know what you're thinking. Ryan, don't talk about them. They're going to be offended. Don't worry. They're not here. Not today. (laughs) because It's not Christmas or Easter. (laughs) Casual attender. Let me me get real specific on these. And, And it's going to get tense, and I intend for it to get tense because I want everybody to feel this. The casual attender is the person that's sitting at home right now watching online. You won't come into a public building. And you use COVID as an excuse. Dude, you were at the state fair, but you ain't been here in a year. And and listen, I'm not mad at you. I'm just saying at the end of the day, you got to decide if this is where you want to be. Because sometimes, like when I tell you we want to experience the presence of Jesus, like it's just not the same if you're not in the room. And, and, And listen, I'm also not mad because I understand the reason you're a casual attender is because you got hurt and it's hard to go back. I get it. I get it. I get it. But you need to come back. You need to come back because Jesus didn't stay in the tomb. And he's given you the strength to overcome, to get back, to come back. The next level is the regular attender. That means you're here on a regular basis. At least three out of four Sundays, you're here. You're physically here in the building. Regular attender. Man, you're here all the time. Man, you show up. You love this church. You show support to this church. Regular attender is somebody who puts their butt in the seat. That's a regular attender. But here's the problem. You're more likely to get hurt here at level two than you are at level one. You are. You're more likely to get hurt. You're more likely to get offended. Because again, the gospel of Christ is offended. The the Bible says that. The gospel of Jesus Christ is offensive. You're gonna get your toes stepped on. We're gonna talk about sin. We're gonna deal with an issue. You're gonna say, Pastor Ryan, did my wife call you and tell you what I was going through and you're just preaching to me? No, no. But you're going to hear things that you're not going to like. Level three is the server. People that serve. Man, I love you. You're the reason our church is able to function each and every week. I talk to pastors and stuff all the time. I go to cohorts. and, And one of the things I say to people all the time is that if our staff didn't show up on one Sunday, we'd be okay. If our volunteers didn't show up, we'd be screwed. Like, there are people in this church you serve every week. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you from the bottom of my heart. Thank you for serving. For those of you that don't serve, I want to I say this. Whatever church you're called to be a part of, you're called to serve there. And listen, I'm not trying to shame you. I'm not trying to guilt anybody. I'm just saying, at the end of the day, if you're not serving, you're missing out. Because Jesus does something in us and through us when you begin to serve, specifically within the church, when we're using the gifts that he has given us to help serve other people. Now, let me ask this question. And again, this is a question you need to answer. Nobody can answer this question but you. If you're at level two, What's keeping you from going to level three? Feel that tension? I mean, we got some core values at our church. And if you're going to attend regularly, why not make the leap to serve purposefully? Why not? Now, this is scary. I get it because you're going to get hurt at level three. If you volunteer, if you serve somebody at some point in time, it's going to hurt your feelings. It happens. But did Jesus stay in the tomb? Yes or no? No. Get up and serve. I've been hurt serving before. I know, I know. It'll probably happen again. Sign up anyway. Serve. One of the biggest areas we always have to serve in this church, is a shameless plug, is our kids' ministry. Sign up. Sign up to help in our kids' ministry. And I know the argument. Kids scare me. Well, they scare me too. We got other areas. It's fine. We, so much stuff getting ready to happen over our outreach center. So much stuff we're going to have to happen with construction and food pantries and all kinds of just help just serve just just get to just serve serve overcome together level four is the giver this is where people decide this is the place i'm gonna worship god with my money i'm gonna put god first with my money i'm gonna put him first in my finances and for those of you who give thank you so much you're absolutely making a difference for those of you who aren't why not like why not Like, listen to me, there's no other section in the life of a believer where God specifically looks at you and says, hey, if you do this, I'll do this. If you do this little thing, I will give back more. Like, God says, test me in this. You've, You've heard me preach on this. I'm not gonna preach on this right now. I'm gonna move on to the next thing. But God says, test me in this and see if I will not pour out more blessing than you could even hold on to. Why would you not do that? I get it. The deeper you go, the more likely you are to get hurt. I gave, I gave in the, in the, in the church. Man, you don't even understand what they do with my money. They bought scratchy toilet paper. Shut up. Stop. Stop. I know I just hurt you with the toilet paper thing, but that's fine. We'll, we'll get past it with the help of Jesus and each other. Listen, this is why people Stop. At level 1.5 because they don't want to get hurt and this is what people say to me all the time well here's the deal ryan i love jesus i know jesus changed me i know jesus is working in my life but i don't love his church enough to serve or give or attend regularly here's the deal if you love jesus disliking his church is not an option if you came up to me and you're like pastor ryan man i love you but i cannot stand mary i'm gonna punch you in the throat I am. It's not an option. She's my wife. Like the church is the bride of Jesus Christ. But I get it. Inside of the church, we've been hurt. Listen, we all have stories. Even me. Every church I've been a part of, including this church, has hurt me. I mean, we've all been hurt. We have. But here's the deal. At the end of the day, when my biggest church hurt happened to me, I had to make the decision, run or keep going to church. Now, following Jesus was never in question. Like, I love Jesus. Jesus changed me. He changed my life. But when it came down to that thing of I love Jesus but not the church, when I really boiled it down, I had to understand there's only one thing, one thing in Scripture that Jesus promised he would build and never abandon, and it was his church. And if the church mattered to Jesus, then the church has to matter to those of us who say we're followers of Jesus Christ, yes or no? Yes. Season number two, we need to look in the mirror instead of out the window. We need to look in the mirror instead of out the window. Quick question. How many of you looked in the mirror this morning before you came to church? How many of you looked in the mirror before you came to church? See, not everybody raised their hand. And let me help you. It's obvious. It's obvious that you did not look in the mirror. I don't know somebody says, don't judge me. There's a difference between judging and telling the truth, dog. I'm just saying. Anyway, I look in the mirror every day for about two or three minutes. Every morning, I brush my teeth, and I got to make sure like, I don't have, like, Toothpaste right here you, you know what I'm talking about you gotta, you got to look in the mirror in order to see that now the reason I'm saying that is because James the half-brother of Jesus, wrote in the book of James that the Word of God, the scriptures are, are like a mirror that we look into and when we look in the mirror, sometimes we see something that needs to be changed and when we see something that needs to be changed, we make adjustments or we get it more into alignment like if you look in the mirror and you've got toothpaste all over your face and your hair is all messed up you don't say that's interesting, and then turn around and walk away. No, you do something about it. The mirror's a reflection. If something's off, you do something about it. The problem is, the the reason a lot of church hurt occurs is because a lot of people take the Bible, and instead of looking at it as a mirror, they look at it as a window to judge people through. And let me say this, it's incredibly difficult to judge somebody when you've got your eyes on Jesus. It's incredibly difficult to judge other people when your eyes are on Jesus. Because watch what happens, verse 39. When the Pharisee who invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know what kind of woman is touching him. She is a sinner. As if he wasn't. Isn't that crazy? He's looking through the window and not looking into the mirror. And that's a problem with the religious people. See, religious people don't understand let, 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 me say, let me say this, they don't understand the word of God wasn't given to us as a platform to stand on and scream at people. The word of God was given to us for us to look at and say, God, what needs to change in me? See, here's what's crazy. The Pharisees had memorized the Old Testament, memorized the Old Testament, and since they had it memorized, this Pharisee, he would have known the passage of Scripture in Psalm 14 where it says, but no. All have turned away. All have become corrupt. No one does good, not a single one. The problem is the Pharisee had taken that verse, and instead of looking in the mirror, he looked through a window to judge somebody else. All of us have had this done to us. Every single one of us. I I call them Bible bombs, where somebody takes the scripture and twists it and throw it at you. You you ever had a Bible bomb thrown at you? Like, 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 for instance, maybe you've been divorced, and somebody hit you with a Bible bomb out of Malachi. The one in Malachi 3 where God says, I hate divorce. You've been hit with that one, haven't you? Somebody came up to you and said, God says, I hate divorce. And you feel like God hates you. Here's here's what's funny about that. The people that quote that verse, they don't understand. There's also a passage in Proverbs chapter 6 where it says there are seven things. Seven things that God hates. And the first thing on that list is this thing called pride. Pride. So you'll meet people occasionally and they'll say, all sins are the same in the sight of God. I don't think so. I think pride is number one because it's the sin that got Satan kicked out of heaven. Listen, God did not catch Satan looking at porn on his iPad. It was pride. It was a pride thing that got him kicked out. But people take the scripture and they twist it. They beat you over the head with it. Bible bombs. Like hypothetically, let's say somebody says, Leviticus 19 says you're not supposed to get a tattoo. I've heard that one several times. I have two tattoos. Probably going to get some more. But I love it when people quote that verse to me. Love it because I'm always like, how much do you know about the book of Leviticus? Because like in that same chapter, it says you shouldn't wear clothing made out of two different types of cloth. And so if you're wearing like a cotton poly blend, you're on the Hell Express, my friend. <laughs> Choo-choo! you got to watch it when people try to throw scripture at you, not to build you up, but to tear you down. It's a church hurt thing. So here's the point number three. We need to receive what Jesus is speaking to us. Like if you really want to get into alignment with the assignment God has for your life, you must be willing to listen to what Jesus wants to say to you. (laughs) How many of you have ever sent a text message to somebody and realized you sent it to the wrong person? Anybody ever done that? (laughs) I was sitting with a group of friends a few weeks ago, and I got a text from someone I hadn't heard from in years. I looked at my phone, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, man, I haven't heard from this dude in forever. I pulled it up. It was a text about me, not to me. So I just texted them back. Hey, long time, no talk. Let's keep it that way. And then I said a few more things I can't say here in church. (laughs) But I've done it too. I've I've sent some text messages talking about somebody, and I sent it to that person instead of somebody else. See, here's here's the deal. Here's my point. When it comes to hearing the word of God, sometimes sometimes we get more obsessed with what God wants to say to somebody else rather than what God wants to say to us. We do. Sometimes we get more obsessed with what God wants to say to someone else rather than what he wants to say to us. We see that in his text. Verse 40 says, Jesus answered his thoughts, and this is the Pharisee's oh crap moment, because Jesus knows everything I'm thinking. He said, Simon, he said to the Pharisee, I have something to say to you. Notice he doesn't say I have something to say to the certain immoral woman. That's who you would expect Jesus to talk to, right? No, he says, Simon, I have something I need to say to you. Go ahead, teacher. Go ahead, teacher, Simon replied. Jesus said, I have something to say to you. And that Pharisee in that moment had the attitude that every single one of us should have. Go ahead, teacher. See, when we come to church, when we come to church, it shouldn't matter what Jesus is saying to anybody else in the room. We should come in with open hands and open heart and say, Jesus, what is it you want to say to me? What is it you want to speak into me? What is it you want to tell me? But church hurt happens when we're sitting in a message, and as the message is being preached, we're going, man, I hope Frank is hearing this. Frank is an idiot. Frank is messed up. Frank is a sinner. Or it's when you're looking at your spouse. Or you're not looking at your spouse, but you throw the elbow. You know no one has ever been saved because of the elbow? Let me help you with the elbow. The elbow isn't drawing anybody closer to Jesus. It's pushing them further away. And by the way, I I said this in all the services, I like saying it because we're getting ready to do a relationship series in a few weeks. If you get in an argument with your spouse on the way home after after church and you quote something I said... You missed the point. I'm not giving you bombs to throw at your spouse. I'm saying at the end of the day, our hearts should be, Jesus, what do you want to speak to me? What is it you want to say to me? What do you want to change in my life? What do you want me to start doing? What do you want me to stop doing? How do you want me to live? Jesus, what's my next step? It's a time in the message where you need to get incredibly selfish for you and say, Jesus, I need you to feed me. I need you to nourish me, to rebuke me, to encourage me, to do whatever it is you need to do. But Jesus, I want to hear your word. Because when you and I, when we hear the word of Jesus and it does something in our own hearts, it becomes incredibly difficult to become judgmental of other people. It really does. And so Jesus said to him, the same thing he should say to us. I got something I got something I want to say to you. Are you receptive to hear it? Which leads to number four. We need to understand all of us need forgiveness. We all need forgiveness. A while ago, I was with a group of people, not from this church, with a group of people and um, there were some pastors in the group. And somebody asked me this question. Pastor Ryan, would you baptize a gay person in your church? Now, this is the part of the message you you might get really mad about. Like, this, this might be the deciding factor whether this is your church or not. Pastor Ryan, would you baptize a gay person in your church? And when, and when he said it, Everybody stopped talking, everybody turned around, and everybody listened. And it was a setup. I knew it was a setup. I knew exactly what it was. And so I said, before I answer your question, let me ask you a question. He said, all right, that's fine. I asked, said gay person, did they receive Jesus? He said, yes. And I said, then I'd baptize them. He became angry pointing his finger at me, screaming, homosexuality is a sin. I was like, hey, hold on, hold on, hold on. You didn't ask me about homosexuality. That wasn't the question. Your question was, would I baptize a gay person at Central Church? And the answer is yes, because they received Jesus. He said, you can't do that because they're still gay. (laughs) All right. Like, that's it? That's your argument? Dude, that's the hill you're gonna die on? Like, that's what you're gonna stick with? Because if that's what you're going to stick with, then listen, my pastor shouldn't have baptized me. He said, are you gay? I said, I don't think so. I said, but when I got saved, man, I cussed like a sailor. And when I got saved and I got baptized, I was, man, I was obese. See, only in the church can obese people look at gay people and say, you got to get your life right. Like, there's not a lot of pastors that will talk about that. They won't talk about it. And I don't know why. Cause I've seen their picture on Facebook. Isn't it funny they call it Facebook? They don't call it soul book? Because we always like to put on a good face, but nobody wants to talk about our soul. Isn't it funny how judgmental people get on Facebook? Let me ask you this question. How judgmental would you be if all of your sins became public tomorrow? It's just a question. Oh, and by the way, if you want to stick with the whole, I can't baptize people if they're still gay, then good Lord, what are you going to do about the gossipers in the church? That's a bigger problem. I mean, if we got to wait on Betty to stop gossiping, Betty's never going to get baptized. Come on, let's be honest. Let's be real in the church, right? The reason I bring that up is because all of us need forgiveness. All of us need forgiveness. Every single person in this room We all need forgiveness. The ground of the cross is level, and I'm sick and tired of religious people climbing eight-foot ladders and thinking they've accomplished something as they're looking down on other people. The grace of God does not give us permission to look down on other people. The grace of God helps us understand we got to get our own stuff right. That's how Jesus addresses it. Watch this, verse 41. Then Jesus told him this story. Jesus is always telling stories. Jesus told him a story. A man loaned money to two people. By the way, if you ever want to get somebody out of your life, loan them money. Just saying. Two people, 500 pieces of silver to one, 50 pieces to the other. That's a, that's a lot of money. Both of those in that time period, is a lot of money. But neither of them could repay him. So you got a person that got 50, can't repay. person that got 500, can't repay. They borrowed money, they couldn't repay. Borrowed money, they couldn't repay. Borrowed money... They couldn't repay. I don't know if that fits in a culture or anything like that, hypothetically. Borrowed money, they couldn't repay. So he f- kindly forgave them. Look at that. Both. Forgave both. Forgave both. The 50 and the 500 forgave them both. He didn't forgive the 50 and not the 500 or vice versa. He forgave them both. Forgave them both, canceling their debts. Who do you suppose loved him more after that? Simon answered, I suppose the one from whom he canceled the larger debt. That's right, Jesus said. I think he said it with a smile on his face. I do. I like to picture cocky Jesus. Verse 44. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, look at this woman kneeling here. When I entered your home, you didn't offer me water to wash the dust off my feet, but she has washed them with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't greet me with a kiss, but from the time I first came in, she has not stopped kissing my feet. You neglected the courtesy of olive oil to anoint my head, but she has anointed my feet with rare perfume. I tell you, her sins, and there are many, hold up, Jesus did not minimize her sin. Sin is serious. Sin is serious. If we let sin go on in our lives uncontrolled, it will absolutely shipwreck our lives. Jesus acknowledged her sins were many. He didn't dismiss them, but he forgave them. It's like her sins, and and there are many. Let's be honest, Simon, there, there are a lot. Her sins, and there are many, have been forgiven. Let me ask you this question. Did she ask for forgiveness, yes or no? No. Her actions demonstrate. See, see, the Pharisee knew the scripture. The prostitute knew Jesus. And I say this all the time, but it's the truth. You can know the scriptures and not know Jesus. You can know the scriptures and not know Jesus. It's happening in this story. She has shown me so much love, but a person who has forgiven little shows only little love. Now this is a tongue-in-cheek type statement because nobody has ever been forgiven a little. They haven't because the same amount of grace it takes to save the prostitute is what it would take to save the Pharisee. Nobody's ever been forgiven a little. All of us desperately need the grace of God, which leads to the last point. We must understand that Jesus wants to use his church to speak peace, not to punish. Not to punish, speak peace, not to punish, and you could even put in there not to hate. Jesus uses his church to speak peace. I want people to experience the peace of God in this church, not to feel like they're punished. I don't want you to hear hate. Because watch what happens in this story. Verse 48, Jesus said to the woman, your sins are forgiven. That's peace, yes or no? When your sins are forgiven, there's peace in that. The man at the table said amongst himself, who is this man that he goes around forgiving sins? (laughs) He's the son of God. Like, that's who he is, and Jesus said to the woman your faith has sa- your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Go in peace. Often wonder how many people do you think would associate the word peace with church. L- listen, I know it's going to get tense sometimes. The gospel of God, the gospel of Christ, the gospel message is offensive. Like It's going to get tense because the Holy Spirit, as he speaks into us, he's going to convict us of sin. This is going to be a church where we always, we always preach against sin. Always. We always use the Bible. We preach the gospel. We're going to get convicted. But if you really think about that and you take that out to its fullest logical extent, that's even Peaceful. When you get convicted of sin, that's peaceful because he loves us enough to point out what is wrong and he's gonna guide us and help us to turn what is wrong into what is right. I want us to be a church that no matter what happened to you on a Saturday, you can walk in here on a Sunday and we are gonna be here for you because Jesus changes people, even hurt people who are hurt by other hurt people and we're gonna do it by helping one another. We're gonna walk alongside one another. I'm going to Creston this afternoon, leaving this service and driving down to Creston to baptize some people down there. Some people who have received Jesus in their lives and Jesus is doing some amazing work in them and through them. A couple weeks ago, I went down there and I met a a person and I'm going to tell you, man, it it was the craziest conversation I've ever had in my entire life. I've been doing ministry for over twenty years, man, and this was the hardest, most awkward, most real, most confusing, most messed up conversation I have ever had. I tell people all the time, You tell me something, man, you ain't gonna surprise me. Uh-uh, this one like blew my socks off. I wanna read you part of their testimony. He's getting baptized today. This is, this is amazing, this is amazing testimony of God's greatness. This is, this is his letter. I'm going to read the whole thing. It's like eight pages long, man. It's the front and back. This thing's a lot. I'm going to read some excerpts of this. It says, my, my walk with God has led me to where I am now transitioning. I was transitioning for five years, two months, 15 days, living my life as a woman. It goes through this whole thing. By the way, I sat in this thing. For 40 minutes listening to this person, listening to this guy, listening for 40 minutes before he told me that he was a man. And I spent the next 40 minutes going, What? How? Like, I had no idea. He goes on to say this, talking about this detransitioning thing. He talks about how he wanted to go to church and he started calling churches in the area talking to churches and telling churches he wanted to come to church and churches legitimately told him no you cannot come you you, you can't come to our church like churches legitimately told him that he sent an email to our church here and John Sampson our executive director sent him back like hey we got a campus in Creston go check it out like go go in there says I wanted to attend church in hopes to get baptized so on June 18th 2023 I went to Central Church in Creston went to Central Church where I met this lovely, lovely couple who sat down with us and welcomed us, asking what brought us there. So I told them. I heard a voice in my head after the message say, tell them, you can trust them. So I sighed and said, okay. I took the leap of faith, telling the couple that I'm transgender. I was very overwhelmed and emotional, trying not to cry, explaining this to them, and even told them how I had been condemned and told I was going to hell by Christians practically my entire life, and it made going to church difficult. It had been 21 years since I set foot in a church, so natu- and, and so naturally I was nervous and hesitant. This lovely couple showed deep compassion for me and were comforting me, telling me that God loves me and I'm not condemned. Goes on to say, I've been attending Central Church for a month now and have attended every Sunday and Wednesday connect group sessions. On July 5th, I stopped hormones and took three days with the Lord to focus on if he wants me to detransition. Goes on to start talking about like what that process is like, and it's pretty intense. I pray every day for his strength to help me along my detransition and praise him daily. Today on Sunday, July 9th at Central Church, the sermon was about shame. And it really hit me because I've been living in shame of who I used to be, wearing a mask, living as someone that I wasn't. This was my first time in the church dressed as a man. Yes, I'm a man who looks like a woman as of now, but this will not stop me from being the beautiful man the Lord created me to be. I made it through the storm And the good Lord is helping me walk through the fire of detransition, and I trust him to walk with me and keep me safe. I would not be where I am now if it were not for our Lord Jesus Christ. Praise be to God for freeing me from my shackles and for breaking the chains which bound me to the illusion of who I thought I was supposed to be. He ends it like this. I'm confident. That if I could share this feeling I have, this love from God with others, that so many would seek Christ and would experience what I am right now, you still can. You just have to make that choice, that leap of faith, and truly try and put your trust in the Lord with all your heart and be earnest and keep seeking him, and you will find him if you truly try, and he will help you. There is no task too great for the Lord. He is almighty, and there's no limit to what he can achieve. The Lord is good. The Lord is merciful. The Lord is love. My gracious favor is all you need. My power works best. And your weakness, Second Corinthians, twelve nine. Once you listen to me, I want this church to be that kind of church for every single person in this room. A place where we all understand we need the grace of God, a place where we can show up and we can know we don't have people with judges' robes on, but people who will put their arms around us, call us friend, and help us through the most difficult seasons of our life. A place where we know that hurt people are going to come through those doors. We will hurt people. But together, with the help of Jesus and each other, we can overcome anything.